You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KCSN Postgame Show. The Chiefs still own the Chargers. It doesn't matter who plays. What's up, everybody? Ken Swanson here with Craig Scott, Maddie Lane, celebrating the 11th win for the Kansas City Chiefs in the regular season, this time without some of the household names that you are used to with Patrick, without Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs pull off a win in Week 18. Some names, some notable names did still play. We can talk about that later. But happy victory Sunday evening to you, Matthew Lane. Well, thank you. I enjoy this victory Sunday evening at 7.30 p.m. Um, not night, but evening. Uh, yeah, this was a, it, it was nice. It was nice to sit down, have no real stakes on the line for the Chiefs, to sit back, enjoy a game of guys that you don't get to see play as much. And it, it was fun. It didn't really matter who won. It was a nice way to get a watch a Chiefs game this year after what has been a very stressful, very hectic year watching the Chiefs games most of the time. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I really love that, that Craig Stout's defense continued to play elite despite the fact, oh, actually, they played a lot of their starters, but despite the fact they didn't have all of their starters. They didn't. They didn't. Uh, Derek Dottie played a lot of snaps. Chris Jones, uh, we're going to talk about that guy here in a little while. He played a few snaps, just a few, guys. Um, and then, you know, the quarterbacks played a little bit as well, but it was largely a bunch of backups, and yeah, didn't really matter. Easton Stick running the ball, and then kind of throwing some YOLO stuff was about the only thing that they had going. So it was really good to see. I had a really enjoyable time. There were no stakes to this game whatsoever. The defense still played well. So, yeah, it was, it was a good time at the uh, the old stadium this week. The Chiefs have avoided having the same record to close out the regular season as the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is uh, obviously a very positive thing. Um you know, this is kind of obviously a weird game to be talking about. This is a little different than what we're used to be, you know, used to kind of breaking down because, like, we're not going to spend too much time just going over all the ins and outs of a game that is essentially preseason week number four. It was really fun, though, to see a lot of guys that don't typically get run get some opportunities to go out there and make some plays, put some tape on them on for themselves for the future, whether it be here in Kansas City or not. So um, let's just kind of get into it. You know, I think one of the things we talked about was trying to see, you know, McCole Hardman as a receiver, uh, you know, just down the field a little bit, trying to get see him get involved. He gets 11 targets. If you think that's an accident, I don't know what to tell you. They were very intentional about getting the ball to McCole Hardman in this game. Six catches, 77 yards. Definitely still some moments there that are very Chiefs wide receiver of him. I don't know, dropping a football, stepping out of bounds, forget, with, you know, missing on a route. Uh, or just like giving up on a route, like those, I, I, they kept coming back to me as I was talking. I wasn't trying to dunk on them; they just continued to come back to me. But some really positive moments and explosive play in the passing game, and something that the, we could see the Chiefs utilize here in the playoffs next week. I mean, yeah, it was the full-on McCole Hardman experience. He does a few things to get you excited, and I think in this case, it was more so that he was looking like a competent wide receiver, not even doing anything extremely special but looking like a competent wide receiver coming back to a Chiefs wide receiver which hasn't had that he adds some speed he adds a dynamic element he had a couple nice plays there not in a row but like in a short period of time to where everybody I think was starting to really feel the McCall Hardman might come back and matter for this team and then you just got a plethora of oh this is McCall Hardman again 
if just the whole experience completely stopping on an over route, just just stopping that like leads to an interception, stepping out of bounds because a cornerback decided to get a little physical with him and like he just couldn't handle it and steps out of bounds. The drop on the high screen pass, but then they drop on another perfectly thrown screen pass. It's just it was the full McCool experience. There was some there was definitely some highs. And I think the Chiefs still need him to continue to do kind of what he did in this game going forward. He's the only guy they really have with speed. He's the only guy that really stretches the field vertically. But man, like it is hard to rely on him when he is now in year five, making the exact same mistakes that he made as a rookie in Kansas City that had them let him go into free agency and go to another team before having to trade back for him. The same mistakes are still there. You hope they improve with more playing time. But yeah, there was some good. There was some bad. It was the McCole Arvin experience. I did really like that he attacked the ball at the catch point. Like, uh, had two major catches early where, you know, looked like it was going to be an interception or a guy was going to get his hands on the ball. And the concentration to see the ball in on those is something that, frankly, we haven't seen from the Chiefs wide receiver core this year. We ju- We just haven't. Even the one where he got, you know, got physical on the boundary, steps out of bounds, he goes up and attacks the ball still. Like he comes down with that catch, even though he stepped out of bounds, makes that mistake. It's nice to see a wide receiver go up and attack the ball and not just wait for it to come to him. So those were the positives that I saw from McCole Hardman. I really liked, you know, I believe it was on a third medium that they threw a quick, you know, quick smoke route to him and allowed him to get upfield real quick. It was nice to see a guy put his head down and go through guys. You know, Rasheed Rice does that, but not a lot of the other wide receivers on this team do. So being able to generate some of those yards with those short passes, with that, you know, tiny, you know, average depth of target was one of those things that was very positive. And then the most positive for McCole Hardman, they hit him on a deep over. Mm-hmm. A big play for this team. And we have been begging this team to throw the ball downfield. Blaine Gabbert did again on another deep over. McCole Hardman stopped running on it. But, you know, that par for the course for McCole. I remember Patrick Mahomes telling him, just keep running. Keep running. But they're throwing it. They're showing it and they're throwing it. And McCole Hardman coming into this game playing pretty well, again, should give some defensive coordinators a little extra to think about that they haven't had to think about towards the end of the year. Absolutely. Just uh, maybe they maybe they can get him involved in that in that playoff offense down the field, you know, show it this week uh, against whoever, you know, the, this team eventually plays in the in the wild card round. Uh, might It might be something worth having, you know, just to, to kind of introduce here and show and I mean, we've talked about it. this team might need it. They might need a McCole Hardman to be involved significantly, uh, you know, down the field for this team because they really have had a hard time trying to find it. Um, so, okay, one of the funniest moments of this game, and I think one of the most contentious moments of this game, obviously, Chris Jones playing a lot of snaps as Chris, as Craig just mentioned, um, spending a lot of time on the field today. Finally, late in the third quarter. Uh, achieving an incentive that he was clearly playing for in this game, uh, getting a, a full sack to get to 10 and a half on the year, a $1.25 million sack for Chris Jones. Uh, the team loses their minds. It's like mom just made pizza rolls <laughs> like for the whole neighborhood. Like everyone's just freaking out. It was great. Um, just a big celebration across the board. 
it was just it was so tense watching that you know i think because everybody like a lot of people were just like just get him off the field just pay him his incentive finally comes down with the sack in the third quarter and i don't think we saw him the rest of the game if i remember correctly <laughs> no no, I mean, like Chris Jones was obviously playing for one of, I think, one of, if not the biggest incentive uh, on, you know, out there available this weekend. He was clearly trying to get it. You know, every single play, he was timing the snap. He was flying upfield through whatever gap was nearest to him. Like, he was playing for a sack from the get-go. And quite frankly, he made the Chargers passing game completely inept. Not that it would have been good with Easton Stick and whatever they had going on anyway. But like, he was wrecking their passing game. He played no attention to the run game because he was out there for one thing and one thing only to get the $1.25 million, which I think is entirely fair, right? It just took a long time to get there. And that kind of stinks because he was dominant from the get-go. I mean, he was dominant from the very first series. He just couldn't quite get his hands on Easton Stick. He couldn't bring him down. I think he ended the game with an insane amount of pressures. I forget what the number was on his 31 pass rushes. He was just pressuring nonstop when he ended up with 12. 12 in a sack, 11 and 12. 12. That's outrageous. He's just crazy. He was everywhere. Anytime the Chargers tried to drop back and pass. And so it's just, it was frustrating how long it took, given there were some other injuries to other positions on the field for the Chiefs. You were getting a little nervous that he was going to keep playing for some money that, you know, he was trying to earn, that he may have lost himself earlier in the year, that he was trying to get some of it back by playing deep into this game. And you just, you had that fear in the back of your mind that he might get hurt going for something that seems so unnecessary if we could rewind back to the start of the season. I obviously don't want to say $1.25 million is unnecessary for anybody. That's not what I'm saying. It's just he had to get this sack to get close to what he was going to get at the beginning of the year had everything just played out like normal. So it was a big deal for him. It was a big deal for the team. Everybody was happy. He got it. Glad he did and no one got hurt. But it, it was stressful to watch. You can't drop yours, and then I'll, then I'll go, yes. Mike. Chris Jones diatribe. <laughs> you know, Chris Jones has made a lot of money in the NFL, but a million dollars will still make him jump like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just love that so much. Buddy, just that's like, like it, again, that's like one of us finding 10 bucks on the ground. I'm still <laughs> excited. Like, let's, let's be clear here. I'm still very excited about that. No, Chris Jones, uh, that is a... 39% pressure rate. <laughs> 39% on 31 pass dropbacks. That is insane. He tied the season-long pressure amount for any player in the NFL in a wow. single game, and he came out immediately after that sack. Would have put up more pressures because Chris Jones was not playing the run today. And that was fine. This game did not matter at all. Like, this is the very epitome of an Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo just saying, you know what? We understand what's on the line for you here, buddy. You don't play the run today? That's fine. We're going to have Cam Jones light it up behind you. We're going to have other guys take care of business. You go get your money. And that speaks to what, you know, we've been talking about Andy Reid as a player's coach, you know, involving the other guys, rotating them in. That is Andy Reid as a player's coach right there. Because... I thought they were going to pull him a half. I thought they were going to give him a half. And then when they came, he wanted to. They wanted to. So he straps up his helmet. He gets a series, comes back and goes, Coach, I need one more. I just need one more series. And sure enough, he was was absolutely right. And that's a testament to Andy Reid. I know that we we talk all the time about, you know, the Chiefs front office versus players, about, you know, who values money and stuff like that. 
Steve Spagnuolo and Andy Reid wanted Chris Jones to make every dollar of the incentives that he got from the organization this year. That's just plain and simple. You can argue about whether or not it was worth his time to try and hold out for those or what. That's an off-season discussion for sure. But you look at the way that Andy Reid, the coaching staff, I know Andy was upset after you know the celebration and all that. It's because he wanted guys on the field because it was a field goal that was being attempted by the Chargers. But they were super excited for him. The whole team was super excited for him. Have you haven't seen just the field goal blocks just hanging out? I know. <laughs> just hanging out over there. Yeah, absolutely. But we haven't seen a lot of fun from this team this year. We haven't what? seen them have a lot of fun. That moment right there was pure joy for everybody on the sideline, barring a couple of coaches that wanted to make sure that the field goal team was out there. So I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was wonderful to sit there and watch them just erupt in pure joy for a player on this team getting one of his incentives. You saw, you know, Steve Spagnuolo go over, give him a big hug. You saw Chris Jones go over to Andy and give him a big old hug and thank him for all that and all that stuff. And you make a good point, Craig. Like, you know, there maybe hasn't been a ton of like reasons for our excitement this season. It hasn't been a fun year. Um, and you can kind of see it wearing at times on this team. Well, like, you know, you saw some cuts to Patrick Mahomes. He was loose. He was, yeah. you know, he was having a good time. He was smiling and he was kind of, you know. He was I, the one being sabotaged by wide receivers. <laughs> Felt pretty good about himself. <laughs> he looked like he actually slept the night before a game knowing that he gets no one to let him he, down. He got to be on the other side of it. He just. What? what did Blaine ever do to you, Pat? Blaine's coming over to the sideline. He's like, I right, what? brother. <laughs> well, it is kind of funny. We, we talk about McCall and doing some good things, and like then you just remember three different, like, just unique scenarios that if they happen next week, we're going to be apoplectic about. Um, obviously, so Chris Jones. I'll take six for seventy-seven from McCall next week with a couple of drops, though. Like, for <laughs> twelve targets, though. It's a lot of targets. I don't know about targets. 12 targets. That's later. That's who later. Uh, we don't have to go to the just Yeah, the whole team seemed that, like, that they they were enjoying this game, whether it was the young guys on the field, whether it was veteran guys that weren't suited up. Just everybody seemed like they were having a good time with this game, and I think that was something that's going to be helpful for the Chiefs. And it was nice to have the Chris Jones moment of him getting that incentive, getting that money. Everyone gets to come together. Everyone gets to be happy for it. Whether they ended up winning this game or not doesn't matter. Like that's the moment that's going to matter to everybody going forward. It's a nice high note to head off into the playoffs under saying, you know, Chris Jones, our guy that's been here, we drafted him, he's been here forever, got this incentive that he was after. He was clearly into it. The whole team rallies behind him. You are now going into the playoffs on an extremely high note for what the rest of the season has been. So like that, that's the good news for it, right? You couldn't go into the playoffs any higher than they are right now. Well, you know, and it was uh, it was it was a fun game to watch. It was fun to see Chris Jones get his incentives. Uh, let's, you know, like I think obviously there is a lot of discourse about whether or not Chris Jones should be on the field at all, and there was plenty of discourse and some scares that occurred, kind of proving that point. We're going to talk about that right after this break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Obviously, with the Chris Jones situation, a lot of people just on social media just like, get him off the field. You know, why is he on the field? Pay his incentives. Just get him off, you know, just take care of you, whatever. Well, you know, there were a couple moments that made you kind of point to that again, right? We we saw a couple of injuries today. Wanye Morris goes in goes into concussion protocol. Chiefs are then forced to play uh, Jawan Taylor at left tackle for the first time. The, the great Jawan Taylor left tackle experiment has finally commenced. It happens in week ta- week 18 in a meaningless game and six snaps in. He gets rolled up on. And we have a giant injury scare for the Chiefs. Two starting tackles in the game. You know, the Chiefs are rotating their three interior offensive linemen all game. At different spots, which was kind of funny. We just getting to see Creed line up everywhere. They should have given the ball once. Uh, but Trey Smith, who's been injured, Joe Tooney has to play left tackle for a little bit. Like the Chiefs are just kind of their 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 injury, you know, their their offensive depth, uh, their offensive line depth just challenged um, you know, in a meaningless football game. Kind of scary considering, you know, we've seen this team in the playoffs without an offensive line and without, you know. Their starters just rolling into a game, and it's been pretty gross. Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of a stressful moment there. Oh, for sure. I, I got to go back and watch because I know coming out as so a Jawan Taylor. Okay, Wanya Morris gets concussed and leaves. Jawan Taylor goes to left tackle and quickly gets kind of rolled up on or twists down weird and leaves the game. Coming out of half or their first drive, he was back at left tackle. But then the second drive, Tooney was in there. And I only saw Tooney in there at left tackle. I wasn't watching specifically every drive. So I'm intrigued to go back and look and see if they were rotating in the second half or if there was a re-aggravation of the, like, the leg or he just didn't feel right and they took him out and let Tooney go the whole time. But I mean, either way, like, that's not great. Like, even if it was just a mild injury, like, he had to come off the field for a little bit because he had to go over and not only play in this game at all, but he had to go and play out of position this game because the Chiefs only had, they didn't have any other tackles like active. They're only, they only had one reserve offensive tackle available for this game to play. That That's wild. And I, it's bad luck that Morris gets hurt. It's even worse luck that Taylor then goes on and gets hurt. Like it wasn't like it was foreseeable, but it really would have been nice to maybe have another body on the offensive line that you could have put in there so that Taylor doesn't have to go play out of position. So that Joe Tooney, once Taylor gets hurt, isn't the guy that's being put out there to also play in a meaningless game. It's just It would have been nice to have another body, I don't know, elevated from the practice squad to eat up snaps in a game that didn't matter once Juan Morris got hurt. Because Morris is the one guy that needs the reps. 
He was the one starter that should be playing. There is zero... Like, Taylor Tooney had no business playing in this game if they didn't have to, and they just shouldn't have had to. It's like this. Yeah, that was a very frustrating thing to watch as the game went on. Well, and see, I, I think it's interesting. The, the focus is obviously going to be on the offensive tackle position, the fact that they didn't have another guy called up that they felt comfortable with. But I, I think what's really flying under the radar, Creed Humphrey played a ton of guard snaps today. <laughs> a lot of guard snaps, which I get. I totally understand. You have Greddy out there playing center so that he can, you know, he's obviously comfortable snapping to Blaine Gabbert. The, the exchange is one of those. You, you don't want to mess around with that. But I thought it was really interesting that even late in the game, Creed Humphrey's out there. He he's out there playing guard. So they didn't even look at this and say, "Oh, okay, Caliendo is a guy that we can trust to play every single snap." He was rotating in and out. So they did a lot of really odd things with the offensive line that I don't think were just injury related. I think they were going to do some of these things, get looks at some of these guys in different positions, and just kind of get a feel for it. You know, I it, it was really kind of curious to me to see them protect so many players and then put guys out there that maybe were a little banged up, maybe could have done with a little bit of rest, and then not just that, but play them, you know, and then play them a lot. So I, I was just very interested to see how the offensive line shook out. And frankly, I mean, from a performance standpoint, the offensive tackles were not good. Like, they just weren't. Wanya Morris was really struggling with Khalil Mack, which, I mean, a lot of people have struggled, struggled with Khalil Mack, not just this year, but throughout his career. Uh, Lucas Niang was really struggling to get enough depth for a lot of reps as well. Then, you know, you you got Jawan Taylor playing left tackle, and it just looked uncomfortable for him. It, it really did not look like something that you wanted to happen very often. And then Joe Tooney, you saw the link show up a couple of times, the lack of it there. So, I like, you you looked at this performance and you went, man, really wish the Chiefs had another offensive tackle. The more and more that we see this team utilize their offensive tackles, the more and more I am just fine with Donovan Smith starting <laughs> the moment he gets fully healthy. Because at this point, like, get the guy out there. I, I don't know that he can be a whole lot worse. Well, we kind of had that conversation a little bit earlier this week. It's like, you know, hey, you know, uh, do you try to get him some run this week to just kind of see how he looks so his first snaps aren't the playoffs? You know, it may not even matter at this point because Wandy Morris is in concussion protocol, so they're going to need Donovan Smith to, you know, to be active potentially because if that that can – I don't that's, – that's a Monday conversation. That might be a Thursday conversation. We can – maybe can get there, but um, – yeah, it's the, things got thin real quick over there, and it's going to be. Fa I mean, the Chiefs need Wandy Morris back at minimum. They need Donovan Smith back. Uh, they need Jawan Taylor to have made it out of there unscathed, or at least you know not really inhibiting anything. And I'm sure we'll we'll be getting Andy Reid updates relatively quick here. I'm sure as the show goes on. Um, anything else on the offensive side of the ball? Just I know we just got done talking about the offensive line and the injuries, but is there anything else on offense you really care to talk about? I feel like we've kind of hit the the high points. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I so. will say this oh. about Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Um, I, my man took a long time to get a side adjustment. Uh, was was throwing it about a foot and a half, two feet over everybody's heads and ripping it like like hard, hard throws. Didn't do his receivers any favors early on. 
obviously steps up, has a really big drive there at the end of the game. But it was one of those, I think, throughout most of the game, everybody's looking at this and going, man, we were spoiled by Chad Henney. Like, it, we yep. just really were spoiled by extremely competent backup play. Not to say that Gabbert's not competent, but extremely confident in Chad Henney. It was really, really nice there. Kent? Well, we, we do have an update from Andy Reid on injury, so I just okay. we're going to break in yeah, as soon no, as we get those. So, yeah, Maddie, uh, do you have anything else on offense before we go to injuries? No, I was going to say, like, yeah, Blaine Gabbert was slinging the ball around everywhere. Um, he, the ball was coming out high to everybody. And like Justin Ross obviously isn't small, but like it's a small wide receiver room too. So like when you're throwing all high passes to the average height of like five ten guys, like okay maybe there's a little bit of room for air there, right? Now he did Justin Ross did have to adjust on a ball that was thrown over his head to make a nice catch on, but like everybody else is short. So like I, Gabbard, I thought came out throwing with too much heat, a little too a little too fired up. I thought he settled in through a couple nice passes. We talked about some of the McColl stuff. Like he played fine as the game went on. I I don't feel as good as I did with Henny but he also looks like a competent NFL backup that if he has to go play, your entire team isn't going to fall apart, right? So, like, I, I feel like you have that going for you. Uh, two pieces of breaking news. Before we get into the injuries, uh, sources have confirmed that we will be doing a live watch party at Holiday Distillery for the first round of the playoffs, the wild card round. I am very excited to be getting out there, hanging out with all of our friends, seeing all of you out there. So there will be details to follow coming up. Obviously, we are waiting to find out the day that the Chiefs, you know, playing. So at you, as you are listening to this, there's a good chance you know what day that the Chiefs are going to be playing with it. Um, we are working on getting that announcement out. Um, so I believe um, we are going to be giving some people that, participated in the um solo casey raffle an opportunity first to get their tickets to this as a additional thank you for all that you guys have done to help support that um there will be more details to follow over the course of the next week but playing on uh on uh keeping an eye on that all the social channels are going to be kind of giving you more details on the watch party that will be happening will be limited capacity but we are really excited about that it's always a incredibly fun time being out there watching games uh, out at Holiday Distillery. So just a quick reminder on that, uh, on that break news. So here's the injury report from Andy Reid. Left tackle Wandy Morris banged his head and is in the concussion protocol. Justin Ross has a hamstring injury. Uh, yeah, I know. That's not going to help any narratives. Uh, Jalen Watson has a calf injury. That one's low-key big yeah it really is really is so that's your injury report so you know obviously sounds like Jawan taylor made it out of there okay so that's good uh that's that's the best news uh there charles goldman is the tweet i saw the wonderful charles goldman so there's your injury report for that yeah i do have one thing before we transition to defense here Uh uh andy did talk about travis kelsey and you know travis kelsey obviously didn't play today Chiefs head coach, this is from Charles Goldman as well, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid said that tight end Travis Kelsey chose not to play and that pursuing the 1,000-yard season would have been selfish, and he added that it was different from Chris Jones's because there was no financial incentive there, whereas Chris's obviously had a financial component to it. So, there you go. That's interesting. Any thoughts on that, Maddie? I mean, it's his choice, right? If he doesn't care about it, then he doesn't care about it, and you don't do it. I, 
I don't know. I, I said this on Twitter and like, I don't need to go deep down the hole. But like I find it a little interesting to be 16 yards short and somebody opting out of their choice to end a streak that very, that would put him in like rarefied air. He does this for an eight straight year. That puts him with only like six other receivers. I mean, people ever to do it eight straight times. You do it one more year after that. You cut that in half to three. Like it's just, it's rarefied air where he already is, but like it starts getting more and more exclusive to make that choice 16 yards short is, I mean, it's his choice. He doesn't care about it. I just, I found it a little interesting to just say like, Hey, I, I am okay with this streak ending at seven and not pushing for the eight, the nine, the 10. If I keep playing for all those seasons. Uh, another update from head coach, Andy Reed saying that Chris Jones sat clearly meant a lot to him and his teammates and quote, that's a couple of cheeseburgers right there that he made. You can't hey, we are not we are not allowed to say cheeseburger on this show. Town topic. Oh, just is, come on this down. Is, this is the post game. We can talk about cheeseburgers on the post game. We just can't talk about it on the lap. Ninety eight percent of a fantastic idea from Maddie Lane for the entire town topic cheeseburgers coming in right now. So <laughs> many town topics. All right, let's talk about the chief fence a little bit. Um, you know, we talked about Chris yeah, Jones. Flea cheeseburger right there. That deep. A lot of a lot of the conversation about the chief Vince was getting an, getting eyes on some of these younger players. Um, any young players that stuck out, stood, stood out to you, Craig, that you were just, you know, really enjoyed watching today. I mean, I, I'm not going to take Maddie's cause I know who he wants to talk about here. I alluded to him already. So I want there. Malik Herring have a day, man. Like had a fantastic game. It, it wasn't just the place that he was making at the end of the game there, but those obviously mattered. He was really, really good all game long. And, I mean, it, it, it's hard to single out a single individual on this defensive line. They had a lot of really good performances on the defensive line. We'll get to some of the other guys in a little bit here. But Malik Herring was in the right spot, was really handling business well against, you know, at times, Rashawn Slater, who's a really good offensive tackle. And he was able to make stuff happen over there, was able to stop the run, was able to keep Easton stick in the pocket at times, was able to get his hands up, swatted a pass, ends up with a sack himself. So I, I was really impressed by Malik Caring. He's just a guy that's kind of hung around on this roster, been at the bottom of the roster, not always active on game day. But when he's out there, even if he doesn't play a ton of snaps, he's in the right spot and he's doing the right things. And those are the types of guys that like Steve Spagnuolo and Joe Collins love that, and they love keeping him around. When you get the opportunity and you seize it the way that he did today, like that's one of those that's like, oh, well, yeah, Malik's probably on this roster again next year just as a guy that you can count on to play some rotational snaps and occasionally make an impact. I mean, it's taken him a while to get there, but like he just he he plays very much like Mike Dana. I mean, like, right, like that's kind of his style of play on who he is. He does a little bit of everything. And like, yeah, I Malik Herring is a guy that's always going to belong on a roster and give you reps when you have an injury or when you need it. And if he can keep making progress, maybe he gets into being actually part of a rotation. Um, I, for a guy that I think really might actually get a break into a rotation soon, Cam Jones, linebacker, 44. I mean, first half of this game was the Cam Jones show. He ended up leading the, the team in set tackles, both solo and total. He was flying all over the field. He was hitting. He looked, you know, fine in coverage for the very basic set of soft zones that the Chiefs were playing. And like he just, he did everything that we've have grown accustomed. I'm not saying he's as good. Okay, like we're very clear. And it's good. He's doing everything that we are accustomed to Drew Tranquil or Nick Bolton doing when they are playing in the middle of the field. He's coming downhill aggressively versus the run. 
He's showcasing decent range side to side. He's not really getting yours absolutely destroyed. He's not getting picked on. He's just making plays and doing so with a physical presence that you kind of always knew he was there. So like this, it was really impressive. I thought it was a very impressive showing by, by Cam Jones. It was interesting. He was in on the nickel. He So they didn't put Leo Schnell, who was playing in basin. They went with Cam Jones and Josh, Jack Cochran. It looked like Cam Jones was playing a little bit of the mic. I couldn't tell for sure. Yeah, I think he was playing on the mic at least at times, if not the whole game. So, like, that's that's an interesting little nugget, too. So, you're now looking at this Chiefs going forward. They have two linebackers that are coming up to be free agents next year. I wonder if they saw enough from Cam Jones, who's been a special teamer all year, to think that they maybe don't need one or both or however it may play out, those linebackers coming back next year. Because, I mean, first reps, he's a young guy. You don't want to jump the shark here, but, like, he looked good. He yeah. made a splash all over the field. He did some good things, like... He did some good things at Indiana, did some good things at the Senior Bowl last year. Like He was an intriguing kid coming out. He was one of my favorite undrafted free agents that they wound up taking. And I think he was kind of a surprise player to some extent. Not like a big surprise, but a surprise keep on the 53-man roster this this um, this season. You know, it, it felt like from a numbers crunch perspective, they kept a few more line or kept a, a more more linebackers than they typically had. And Cam Jones was the benefactor of that. And obviously we thought it, was more of a special teams type thing, but also like we've got to see him on the field a little bit here and he's made market improvement. Um, a couple other guys, it was, uh, it was fun to see, you know, Nick Jones get on the field, fun to see BJ Thompson get up, you know, run the arc a little bit. Like, I think these, he's going to be an interesting study this year, this off season, be, you know, in conversation this off season because definitive quickness and, you know, burst, obviously it's going to be interesting to see how his frame holds out. The Felix Andy DK Zama conversation, you know, I know a lot of people are going to want to ask questions about that. Um, and so, like, first watch, I don't know. I, I know you, we probably all have some, like, just some initial thoughts. Maybe we can get a little bit more into it tomorrow. But I thought it was kind of a mixed bag for him. You know, I think he did some good things. There was, a, you know, a couple plays. We made that really nice play uh, down in the red zone as an unblocked defender. Um, yeah. Pass rush was kind of up and down, if you ask me. Uh, pretty, you know, some inconsistencies, but also kind of flash some of those things that you, you know, you like to see, you know, some good hand tech and being able to turn a corner. But I thought it was kind of a mixed bag for me personally on that on that first watch. And I know a lot of people are really excited about that when I have that conversation. So we had to have, we had to at least say something before the show. Sure. No, um, I, I really liked how quickly he read out the game. I, they When they left him unblocked to try and read him and make plays off of him, yeah. he made the offense wrong twice like it just absolutely punished them for leaving him unblocked and trying to read him out like it absolutely destroyed two plays so it's there like he's processing the game he's seeing some of that the snap timing has to be better when you see him put together some of the snap timing which it didn't happen frequently today but he gave the offensive tackle trouble and again this was Rayshon Slater that he was going up against for a large portion of the game not all game but a large portion of the game he got locked up a few times. That's going to happen against a, a really good offensive tackle and a guy that hadn't played a ton this year. But it was the it was the fact that he was the last guy off the ball with that burst, explosion, and athletic ability. If they can get that snap timing down, he's going to make plays just because he's going to run around dudes like he just is. He, he's flexible enough to. He's got the explosion. He's got the athletic ability to do it. He's just not able to do some of that yet. So I. It's one of those that I, I watched the game. I was I was happy with the way he was processing it because that's one of those things that coming from you know collegiate to NFL, 
takes a little while sometimes to get used to some of that sort of stuff. That didn't seem to be the obstacle here. It seemed putting some of the things together, like the hand usage, the snap timing, the technique, I, you know, just have him strapped to George after this year and just say, Hey, go, go train with Tomba, go do all of this. I, you know, we've heard rumors that that might be happening already. So maybe he's already taking those steps to rectify that sort of thing. I think the potential still there. I'm not any less happy or less excited about the pick after today. I just need to see some of those things get put together a little bit more, which, hey, a full offseason working with some guys may help that click into place fully. Yeah, I, I think you have to be impressed with when the Chargers decided to attack him by making him read stuff out, leaving him unblocked to make him wrong. He was generally correct. And the hustle coming from like on the backside of a play down in the low red zone. He makes a play on the backside that Camp Jones blew up the front of, by the way. And so like, there was some stuff to be to be excited about. I am a little less, I think, excited because I just didn't see anything as a pass rusher to be overly impressed by, right? Like, that was just my thing. I Coming away from that, I don't have a rep to look at where I'm like, ah, yes, there's what I'm looking for. Whereas we talked about BJ Thompson earlier. He got mentioned. I, he cross-chopped and cornered right around Rashawn Slater as only one play. Wasn't even like a pressure because the ball was coming out. But like, you see the athleticism and you saw it actually play out on the field. And you saw the explosion, the get off, the fluid, like, you saw it all come together. I think I'm still kind of waiting for some of those flashes from FAU before I'm ready to fully buy in. As of right now, he just seems like a guy that's a long way away from being even a specialized pass rusher. And that's what he's going to have to be at the next level because he's not really stout versus the run either. So it's just, I still think we're a ways away. And I think this game has further showed that he got to play a lot of reps versus starting level and a backup right tackle later in the game. And it just, there was not a lot of impact when he had to beat blocks, when he had to defeat them. So I just, we're in the developmental process. No panic needed. I think you see he's picking up the game at a well, like when he was challenged, he picked up the game mentally. It's just, we're waiting for all the flashes to kind of come together. So like, I like having, I like seeing BJ Thompson get out there because we haven't seen him at all this year. And like, he's the defensive lineman for me that really popped. Like, okay. I'm really excited to see what that looks like going into next year because we saw those physical traits and how they're going to play out in a game and how they're going to make a big impact. Yeah, I think it was just good for both of you know both of those guys, but specifically FAU to get you know a ton of reps in this game too. Like that's just a, a really valuable opportunity for him, especially since those snaps have really diminished over the last you know since Charles Amenehu returned. So it was good to see him kind of get get involved, uh, and I know there's a lot of hype in, around him. So. Uh, all right, let's get into let's get into toast game before we get out of here. Uh, toast game, as always, presented by Ben Holiday, Bottled and Bond Bourbon, and again, we are going to be having a watch party out at Holiday Distillery. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely great time. We can't wait. It's always fun to be watched. It's off. Awesome. Uh, we I mean, we watched the playoff we watched the playoff game out there last year. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, make sure you uh, you stay tuned to that on all of the KC Sports Network social media. We're going to have a, a great time watching the first playoff game out in Weston, Missouri. And we're going to bring Tucker D. Franklin on here to do Toast Game with us as we do always. So, Tucker, hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm wonderful. I can't wait to see you next week. I know. Uh, that'll be great. I wish I could see Craig and Maddie next week, too. Not just you, but... yeah. You're gonna have to wait two and a half weeks. We're all gonna be together at the Shrine Bowl in Dallas. So, oh, gosh, that's coming right up, isn't it? I, I forgot about that. Yes, um, it is. It is sneaking up on oh, all of bloody. Us. Um, Dallas, yeah. ready? <laughs> Toast game time, though. Tucker, what do you got? 
Well, look, um, I got to raise a glass. Usually, you know, when I get on here and for the Toast Game segment, you know, I usually raise a glass to good health. Uh, still, health in mind as we head into the week before the Chiefs playoff game, I got to raise a glass to Blaine Gabber. We got to go watch, uh, as Blaine Gabbard affectionately calls himself, Daddy, go in there and sling it. We got to watch that happen. Mizzou made... Uh, he got to show off the wheels a little bit as well. Taylor Lewan told a story about Blaine Gower coming in and calling himself daddy. Oh, is that why you called him daddy on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. that makes it so much better. Yeah, <laughs> no, Blaine Gabbert refers to himself. He'll he'll come into games and he'll say, watch daddy sling it, then immediately throw a pick six. So uh, love Blaine Gabbert. Mizzou made, following Missouri native, uh, raising a glass uh, to Blaine Gabbert, getting in there, getting a win, leading a 51-yard touchdown drive. Shout out, Blaine. Cheers. Maddie. Uh hey, we talked about a lot of the guys that I would have probably given a toast game to. So let's go with Shamari Connor. Um, we, we highlighted him the week leading up to this game. He's a guy that was going to be out there playing a lot of reps. He did that. He was flying around, making plays. I can't wait to kind of go back and watch and just see, like, you know, if he was assignment sound or just, you know, coming up and making flashy plays. But he looked like he had a fun game. He was kind of taking over that enforcer role that they didn't have without Justin Reed, where he was flying around hit guys. A little bit of a scare there in the game where he had to leave for a couple plays because he was hitting too hard, uh, but he was able to come back in, didn't make Andy Reid's injury report. So, like, yeah, it was. it's nice to see Connor continue to get reps, to look good, and to kind of find what I think is going to be his role, which is that of a dynamic kind of downhill guy. So that was nice to see. So shout out Jamari Connor. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to cheat and take the whole defense who uh, did not play like they were a bunch of backups today. They were hitting. And I, I don't think the Chargers were ready for the intensity that the Chiefs' second string secondary was going to be. <laughs> I mean, like, they were flying around out there. But I'm going to go with Charles Aminahue. Comes up with a massive play at the end of an 18 play drive that results in a 97-yard scoop and score from Mike Edwards. But Charles Aminahue just keeps playing well, keeps building on previous performances, and keeps making impact plays. They pulled him pretty early in this game, and I think that tells you how they feel about him. He got what, or They got what they needed out of him and then trotted the young guys out there. I'm really excited to see what Aminahue's going to bring to the defense in the playoffs, but he's going in the right way right now. Toast to him. I want a toast game to Rasheed Rice for having only six less yards than Quentin Johnston, the first round pick of the Los Angeles Chargers did. Look, I know that we had a lot of discourse about the receiver rooms this year and we had it before the draft and all that good stuff, but it is kind of refreshing to see Rasheed Rice be the second round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs and have an unbelievably productive season and getting the context of watching Quinton Johnston have one catch, six yards, uh, is just kind of refreshing to see. So uh, I know I'm throwing a little shade. I don't care. The Chargers stink. We own you. We own the AFC West, <laughs> even in a down year. Chiefs win. That is going to do it for the KCSN postgame show. Thank you all so much for listening, watching, supporting all of us. Again, Keep an eye out on all of the happenings at KCSN. We've got the distillery uh, party that's going to be coming up for the first round of the playoffs. We cannot wait to get out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you all again so much. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later.